Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome to the latest episode. I think it's 137 of the Always Race Day podcast presented by the Carlotto Group. I'm Connor Ferguson here with Damon Helgevald and Caleb Sloha, uh, recapping an eventful weekend in racing, a very good NASCAR race tonight, an insane um, Saturday night uh, on dirt. We're going to talk about all of it uh, tonight, but first, uh, we got to thank our partners at the Carlotto Group. Uh, they're our presenting sponsor. They have been with us uh, basically from the jump, um, and a big part of what they do for us is helping us uh, get over uh, to the Kings Royal and, and uh, Eldora Million this week uh, over in Ohio. So super amped for that. We'll be there. We'll be at Dubuque on Monday for the uh, – I was going to call it Off-Road Speedway, but it's the XR race at Dubuque at the uh, fairgrounds. I love that track. I was there for Donnie Schatz's 300th win. I uh, can't wait to get back there Monday night and uh, see how it um, looks for late models because I haven't seen late models over there. So uh, once again, thanks to the Carlotto group. Let's talk some racing, boys. Uh, William Byron gets his fourth win of the year tonight at Atlanta in, frankly, uh, just what was quintessential Atlanta to what they marketed uh, when they told everyone what their plans were, uh, what they were going to do with this racetrack. It was that was exactly what they said that they wanted to see out of this track, what they tested on simulations to get out of this track. And uh, the product backs itself up like that was one of the best NASCAR races of the season tonight. Ending sucked. We'll get to that. But that what a product. I, I, I still am upset that they massacred that track, but I cool yeah we had a another super speedway race uh, did did you i didn't like not like what you saw like that's where i can't figure out like i get like the it was fine but we, we ruined atlanta for it like that's i i'm still and then like the whole time we want to talk about like the history that happened at atlanta with kevin harvick and all that and it's it does it doesn't even matter anymore because it's not even the same track like if you're gonna axe a track off the schedule as long as the new one kicks ass, then I'm kind of okay with it at this point. I mean like with how many races and how many tracks they go to, like there's more mile and a half that are similar to Atlanta. I, yeah, we don't have a real like tire grinder yet, but and I don't know. When I, when they're all kind of similar, it doesn't feel like as big of a loss. It wasn't that unique of a racetrack. It was unique. Don't get me wrong. Go ahead, David. I mean, it, it's more unique than you think because there's no other – you said it. There's no other track that grinds up tires the way yeah. Atlanta used to do, and that's what made Atlanta special. But um, off of off of that is – Yes, the the what happened tonight was great racing. However, that's one out of the last four, right? Is that how many races they've run on this configuration now? So, um, it is is it really going to be that good moving forward, or is it just a hey we caught we caught feather in the wind one time and uh, guess what it it panned out for one night? I think I oh god. I, I stand by, like, I want Daytona and Talladega to race like how Atlanta currently races, and I want Atlanta back. Like, that's that's how I would like it. Like, it's 
the first 20 laps, I thought it was going to be the same old, same old, because they were all single file. Like, if we didn't have the rain tonight, we probably didn't have a good race. That's the other like, thing I was going to say, too, is the, the rain helped make that race actually interesting, because if there was no rain, that race was going to be boring. It showed so in the first 20 laps, because everybody was single file, 1 through 17. And then the, I think the first side-by-side was was maybe 20th at best and it really didn't pan out too long the bottom line wasn't there until the until everybody was starting to race in the in the second stage because they knew rain was on its way there was really no bottom line otherwise and that it just it was a it was a parade that was about to happen but thank god for rain i don't know if that's the case, like the rain was still far out, like at the end of stage one and the ending to stage one was exactly what you want to see. And it rocked. And then I think Martin Truex found that other line up top. And do we sit through like a less than actionable stage two to see that in stage three tonight without the rain? I don't know, but like, I still thought the product tonight was better than it's been the last three times. And I don't know if that's, the small changes they made to the car, it looked like the drafting runs were a lot not, I, sh- I shouldn't say better or anything, um, but more consistent. You know, there was runs to be made and you can't exactly use that run to pass a car by yourself. You need someone behind you. And that's obviously a little different than how Talladega and Daytona race um, where there you can slingshot around a guy and kind of, chop them, get in front of them if you're going to throw a block like that. But it made it tough on guys in how they race that, how they choose to make that strategy. And it opened up that lane that Martin Truex was like, I'm going to do my best Bobby Pierce impression and go around the top of the racetrack and see where I go. And nearly won him the race, honestly. Damon thinks I jinxed him, but I, I swear the jinx is dead. What on, on which one? I'm saying my, me jinxing people, it's dead. No, it's not. BJ McLeod did not finish in the top 15. I touched I touched um, every inch of Bobby Pierce's car last week in Nebraska. He won the race. Touched Chase Randall's wing when I was telling him about it. Wins the 360 race. Didn't do well in the 410 race. I might just I I might just be it, good luck. I don't think that's the case. Um <laughs> I I I I like I said, I think I think we got a better race because of the rain being in the area. I think yeah, yeah. I, I'm not denying not in if the rain's not there. I think the race is boring because it really was until the last until the second stage. Essentially, I mean the first. What were you watching? Stage. What What was I watching? I watched the parade for the first twenty thirty laps of the race. The first stage was eighty laps, and so the other fifty just nothing happened. There wasn't that, that epic finish to the end of the stage didn't happen. So let me ask this. Okay. Are you more inclined? You'd rather have, you know, great racing at the end of a stage, or would you rather be in position to win a race at the end of the day? Wait, wait what point of view are you asking me of this? Like driver? Yeah. Re- okay. Say the question one more time. Are you, would you rather be fighting for a stage win? 30 or the win at the end of the race 200 laps 200 laps from the finish well yeah it's a easy question the line to win well if i do i have two wins already no okay well then yeah end of the race all right so what's the point it's the point of what of trying to put yourself in jeopardy early in the race like that some people That's don't have to but some people are racing for points look at chase Elliott, oh, wow. michael mcdowell yeah. daniel suarez well, I wouldn't put Chase Elliott racing for points per se. You don't think Chase Elliott needs all the points he can get? He needs all the points he can get, but it doesn't mean he's racing for points. He needs to average like 7.2 points gained on the cutoff that was coming into tonight per race uh, to make the playoffs. And where did he end up? Couldn't tell you. But I just, I think. Yes, the racing was was better than what we've seen, but again, it goes into I think a lot of it goes into the fact there's rain and the other fact of it it was a night race. If it, you know, if it's run during the day, it's 
probably a whole hell of a lot different. Grip's not there, and we're going to see cars sliding around. We're going to see guys running into each other more. Yeah, and I think keep it Sunday nights, every Atlanta race. Sure. I don't care if that's the new tradition or what. I I really, really like the Sunday night time slide. It kind of gives you like a Sunday night football feel. I think that rating spot is really good. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to be like with USA. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of it. I know you guys like getting to bed a little earlier and crews getting out of there earlier. I get that part of it. But. but here's the other part too. couple of things with that. A, what happened tonight? You have rain. You don't have a chance to come back and try it again later on that day. And two, if you're a fan at the race, you have to take another day off work because you can't go on Monday if you're traveling far away as a fan on a Sunday night. I Don't get me wrong. The, the Sunday night time slot's great, but the difference between Sunday night football and Sunday night racing, Sunday night football can still play in the rain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, if it's lightning, they can't, Damon. You forgot that little loophole there. Uh, they called it for rain tonight. I know. Um, and last week. What's that? And last week, like, that's what we have to think about, too, is now we've had two weeks in a row where we have put ourselves in a box um, because of weather and the timing. So last week, you know, had to cut the race 25 laps short. And tonight, you know, basically, as soon as it starts raining, you know, it's over because they're not going to wait another three hours. Yeah. And I mean, it's unfortunate that we have that, but just with how big of a money driver that is like and how it's set up, I just feel obligated to care about part of that at least a little bit. Um, at the very least, that that's the reasoning that NASCAR is going to these time slots with all these cons that fans think of, um, especially when we have weather affecting a race that didn't start at noon Eastern or noon Central. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I th- I think as a fan, like I'd rather have it either around noon or six thirty, like we had tonight. I don't really like the late afternoon, but that's just kind of the wrench that they throw you with that stuff. So William Byron uh, gets Goodyear's two thousandth win. Jeff Gordon got their one thousandth win. Um, so I'm going to place a hell of a bet tonight uh, for the uh, I don't know, let's say twenty thirty eight Brickyard four hundred. I might have I might have short hopped the time twenty forty eight. Let's do that one. That might be a thousand. I don't know. It might be shorter than that because there was a time when Hoosier still ran in NASCAR and won a couple of races. So there there was a time where that first thousand took a lot longer. I just got to figure out who they're putting in the twenty four car next, and then I'm gonna have the bet of the year. It'll still be Byron at that point. Yeah, you think he's just gonna. Race till he's 70 because he got such a late start. He's, he's turned it on the later the, that he's been in the car. He yeah. Had, he's got a well, lot of ground to make up on the former driver of the 24. Uh, and I forget who else was on the podcast, but David Smith used to uh, do this motorsports analytics podcast, and he works at Roush Fenway Keselowski. Uh, this came up Saturday in Knoxville when we were talking to people, and so they, they had like the median, like the peak age of a driver – talent-wise, is like 41 to 43 or something like that. And you hear that number and you're like, what? Like, that's when their talent peaks? Because you'd think it'd be, I don't know, especially on dirt racing, like 30. Kyle and Kurt Busch are a prime example of that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, especially especially Kyle. Kurt was a little bit earlier in his, in his uh, career, but Kyle in particular, he's been, you know, really really good the last seven eight years and he's i mean that's his prime time harvick had that 20 or had that 10 win season you know in in 2020 and that's at the back end of his career so it's yeah it's the later you wait you're it shows i guess i think there's definitely a sweet spot for where like you have learned a lot and you're a veteran and then you kind of hit that peak where then you start to get older and your reaction time slows down and you know, you, you start to lose that. So yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely a, um, 
kind of a, a sweet spot from it. And Matt Kenseth actually just talked about it on the Dale Jr. download is, you know, he got to a point where basically he realized like he just wasn't reacting the way that he used to. And he, you know, was just not, didn't have it as much as what he used to. So um, yeah, there's definitely comes a point where uh, the crossover happens. Michael Waltrip talked about it on the truck broadcast as well. Um, that, that exact same thing. He's like, I'm sitting, I'm sitting at a race at, I think he said Talladega or whatever. And he's like, yeah, all these guys are up there running, running around like their heads are cut off and trying to make, make moves. And he's like, that was my choice or that was my, my final decision on retiring was because I was sitting in the back of the pack thinking that when I should have been wanting to race as well. Yeah, and it's just, like, I think Matt Kenseth put it beautifully, too, where he basically said, like, in in the days, you know, when he was younger, it used to be, like, you don't even think about the move you're about to make. It just clicks, and you make that move. Like, and, and from my racing, too, I know that, that that does happen where, like, your hands just kind of move, and you don't even think about what you're doing. And he said then now it got to the point where by the time he realized what was happening and decided to react to it, the hole was closed or, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot like I'm sure what Michael was saying, where like, you know, you, you don't, you're, you're thinking more about those choices and um, rather than just like what some of the young guys do to their detriment, even sometimes is just not think about it. Right. How, you know, going back to going back to Byron and the, and, you know, obviously him winning this race when he was, he brought out what the second caution of the day, who would have thought that, I mean, granted it helped that the rain was there. Who knows what would have happened if, if the thing goes the distance, but to put yourself in that position um, after spinning, after being a lap down, after having a pit road penalty, I mean, like all these things pile up against him early in the race in a shortened race. And you find yourself back in front. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got to look at the ending here. Uh, what did you guys think of NASCAR's thoughts on how they handled um, big storm coming? Radar shows that it's going to rain for a while now. Um, it looked like the move was kind of that they were pace lapping, waiting for the rain to come, and it was kind of like a, at some point you're going to have to have the cars come in to pit and then send them back up out there and start the race if it doesn't come and you're just wasting time now at this point. Did you guys like how NASCAR handled it? I think they were, I don't know, a little too cautious, but I also don't want to see guys at full speed when the race comes. Here's uh, the thing. They, they showed on the broadcast once they had um, went under yellow, they had showed on the broadcast that there was rain you could see it in the lights. And so I think at that point you're, you're taking that unneeded risk of saying, okay, it's raining, but it's not raining that hard. So let's go back to green because then it opens the door for a Daytona or New Hampshire part three, where you throw them back green and then it starts downpouring. Now I've been at a racetrack where you can see rain in the lights and you can't see rain on the ground. I understand, but again, like this is what I'm saying is, is that means it's going to rain. Right. And <laughs> it could mean that. It could mean it might stop. You don't after, know. It was really not going to. After what happened you don't know last that. year it's at weather. Daytona. After what happened last year at Daytona, yes. you're gonna you're not going to put them back out there when there's even a chance of rain happening in the next five seconds. Like that you don't do that. Well, so and it, it wasn't a situation where it was like kind of scattered and we were like, well, is it going to hit? Is it going to like we knew it was going to hit. So there in this instance, like I think it was a smart thing to not go back to green or whatever. And I appreciate NASCAR's call too and kind of keeping pit road closed. That way they didn't kind of show the hand of like, oh, well, we're going to go back to racing. And then, you know, you screw half the field over. Yeah. So I, I like that they did that too. But no, in this in this instance, you knew it was it was basically there and you knew it was going to happen. So there was just no reason to take the risk. 
Yeah, you hold the restart. You know, they they did the right thing. I know people are upset about it, but I think that people are upset about it because it it also happened to be a guy who's already won three times out front too. You know, you have A.J. Allmendinger, who I would consider, you know, people in, like A.J. A.J.'s a great personality and good for the sport. People are going to want to see him, uh, want to see him contend, if not win that race. So if he was leading, I think people would be okay with the, them calling it, you know. I like how you choose A.J. Allmendinger, but you don't go with uh, Andy Lally. Or not Andy Lally, Jesus Christ, J.J. Yaley. I don't know why I just JJ, pulled that yeah, out. I, yeah, Andy Lally, J.J. Yaley, every you know, all those guys. They're they're I, they're one and the same, you know. I don't. Um, I had him on my brain the other day, so I guess that's where I pulled that out of. But, there you go. Yeah. No, I I think I I think a lot of it, you know, if if um if they go back green there and we have a another instance of what happened at Daytona, then they're under more scrutiny than what they were um then too. So they they made the right call. You gotta hold that flag. You don't you don't do the same mistake that you did less than a year ago. Yeah, and I basically at the end of the day you gotta agree with that. Like I can't, you know, whatever to not get them out there running when it's going to rain. And I think And I think it's a bigger deal too because the racing actually was good. Like I think if it was a boring show up to that point, like if it's single file around the top up to that point, and then we have a pop-up shower like like happened at Daytona last year, I think, you know, people are going to be like, all right, well, you put us out of our misery a little bit earlier. That's a lot better. Whereas everybody was actually intrigued into the race because cars were sliding around a little bit, uh, because we were getting some big runs, things like that. I think that played into people being upset about it. But again, at the end of the day, you got to make that call to hold the flag uh, when when you messed it up last year around this time. Yeah, I I'm with you there. Um Damon, I have to ask you about Chicago since you weren't on Wednesday's show. What about it? Record ratings. A drive from eighteenth to first by a guy we've never heard of. I thought it was a pretty good show for what it could have been. A guy you've never heard of. I've heard of him now. Well now. You didn't. Are we doing this again? Are you giving me more shit for this? Yeah, because well, I didn't get any part of it. Name three. You guys, you guys can team up here. Name three other current Supercars drivers that are not Shane Van Gisbergen. Oh, my God. First off, you just you just butchered the name, so that's horrible. What, how Second the off, fuck did I butcher the name? That's how I said it on the last show. And you, you gave me props for knowing the name. It was not the same. Anywho, you're, you're – time out. Just take a deep breath for a second. One – we're coming at you because you tried to throw Damon under the bus about not knowing who he was, but I wasn't trying. I was not trying to throw Damon under the bus. The only goal I had in this conversation was to have Damon go, okay, Chicago kicked a little ass. I will give him that a little ass. That's all I wanted. Damon was a little ass. Okay. No, yeah, Damon. <laughs> Damon, come on. It, um, as I as I made very apparent, it was better than what we anticipated to see. However, I don't need six of them. I don't want six of them. Don't get me wrong. Well, that's I don't, what think, I don't think I even want horses. three of them. I think I'd settle. I think I would be like fine with two. I don't even want two. I know. I figured if they want to have. If they want to have one, have one. What I will. I will agree with one only as long as we can keep Bristol dirt. I don't really give a shit how that falls into this, but anyway, I, no. That's I'm um, making a trade. We're making amends. We're on the same I, team again. I just it, it. To me, I think if it if it doesn't rain, I think it's another boring road course. Like quite frankly, I, I think if it doesn't rain, and they don't have the wet tire, they don't have, uh, you know, half a foot of water sitting on the racetrack. I think it's another boring road course that we've gotten with these cars since they've, they've rolled them out. Uh, road courses with these cars haven't been great outside of Coda last year. So, you know, it, it, I think, I think if you, um, if you keep it on the schedule, fine. 
I'm curious to see what happens next year because I think they have to put it back on there again. Well, I think after, they have after the washout with everything else as yeah. part of the event. Um, I think they have to put it back on for next year because of that. Whether there was a three-year agreement or not, I don't really care. Contracts can be broken. Um, it it just. <laughs> I have a hard time with it. The event was cool. I wish the concerts would have happened because they had a really good lineup of concerts. But at the end of the day, I don't want a bunch of these. And that's what happens with this fan base is it becomes a very niche fan base where they get really tied on to wanting one thing. So we had road courses added to the schedule a few years ago because we had some really good road course racing. Well, now we roll out a race car that sucks on the road course when it was supposed to be built similar to a sports car uh, racing series similar. You know, we wanted more short tracks on the schedule. We had North Wilkesboro, and it's the worst race that we've had all year because of the car. Well, so, because your driver's a douchebag and had to kick everyone's ass. I don't care. So he still won, and the race was still boring. I know. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it was. So, you know what? The the fan base gets really stuck on one thing, and that's what happened with the road courses. And now that's why we have six of them on the schedule, and it kind of sucks because the you know we get one good road course, and the rest of the five are terrible to watch. And you know, so I don't want us to add a second street course. I don't want us to add a second dirt race. You know, keep the. I want a second dirt race. We gotta. Hey, we gotta. We gotta do this Knoxville promotion deal. Come on. No, I don't want a second dirt race. It's not. I want a dirt race, and I don't want it to be dirt Bristol. I still think that they should go to an actual dirt track. Eldora. Eldora, Knoxville. Oh, man. Deer Creek. Like, it's an actual. What a pull by Caleb. Deer Creek. Fuck yeah. I think we should put him on the bull ring at. Where'd you say? <laughs> Dude, you muted right as you said the track name. On the bullring at Macon. I, I was going to mention Peevely and say, I wonder if Peevely would be awesome. Start. It would be Peevely sweet. Would be awesome. You can't convince me Peevely wouldn't at least like kick ass a little. They they would run over the top of each other. And yeah, it would they, be, be chaos. You'd have. They run over top of each other at a two and a half mile speedway. Man. That's true. That is true. Um, couple takeaways uh, from the race, and we'll get to the other stuff and get everyone out of here. But uh, Ryan Blaney uh, finished tenth. He scored forty-seven points. It was the most of anyone in the race. Sorry, finished ninth. It was right next to ten. That's how I got confused. Um, stage points though, massive. What was the next highest? Do you know? Uh, William Byron at forty-six. Oh, okay, so it's still close, but yeah, I mean that's one thing that Blaine has been pretty. The next about. high, the next highest after that is forty from AJ Allmendinger and thirty nine from McDowell. Okay, so yeah, I mean a pretty decent gap there. Um, I, I mean, we're not surprised. I, we've seen that out of Byron. Byron's been good all season, but Blaney has been able to kind of do that too, um, where he's been at least putting some good points together. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Blaney's, you know, we, we talked early in the season before Bowman's injury and how Bowman was really putting together some good races and pointing himself um, in. I mean, he was the points leader prior to when he got hurt, right? And um, he gets hurt. He's out of the car, hasn't come back the same. And now we're seeing that points battle uh, come down to come down to Ryan Blaney a little bit more. Like Blaney's been pointing himself; he's been consistent. You know, we don't we hear about him being running up front, being in the top, whatever. But then there's, you know, then there's you don't hardly see him running outside the top fifteen right now. I mean, I could be mistaken on a couple of races here or there, but I don't remember seeing him run outside the top fifteen here as of late. Yeah, it's hard. It's kind of been all over the place because I know like Logano for a while was that guy where like he wouldn't run well at, at first, but then he was coming up and doing good at the end of the races. And now that's kind of falling apart. But yeah, Blaney kind of seems to be the guy that, you know, is, has been putting points in his bag quietly. And um, now, you know, he's he's up there. So 
The only difference for Blaney is he has, you know, he's got nine top tens, but only four top fives in that time. Where, like, that's why he's below a guy like Larson in points, where Larson has nine top tens, but eight of them have been top fives. So that that's where he's getting hurt. And Larson's been out, you know, DNF's now, what, seven races this year? So there's that, that top five is a big deal. Which is crazy. That's a lot. I mean, because they're what? They're 19 races in? Um. Yes. Right yes. Yes. A uh, B nineteen after after today. So if he's got seven DNFs in nineteen races, you're looking at like a what forty percent DNF rate? Like that's it's oof. wild. It's wild, and you're still you're still eighth in actual points. Like, and you know what? The first thing I think of, and maybe like it, don't take this too seriously, but the first thing I think of with Kyle Larson having seven DNFs is. Um, it's in a car that was made to be more, uh, you know, battle resistant. So, yeah, it's kind it's kind of hard to keep driving when you got your roll bar laying in your lap at Talladega, but well, I know, <laughs> but then you look at like tonight and what, what was it tonight that, that, you know, it was a, it was a blown tire yeah. that ruined his night. I, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, you know, because, you know, uh, Harrison Burton's night got, completely turned upside down the guy qualifies in the top five has a car running up towards the front spins and then is put on the hook because he can't get back to pit road you know these cars are indestructible but the minute they get a flat tire it's like uh uh -uh, you don't get a race anymore right the moment you do you get a flat tire or if you you know smack the wall with the wheel well yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, you hit the right you hit the right rear tire or yeah, right rear tire on the wall and you uh you break a five dollar plastic part. It's so weird like how indestructible these cars are at certain like like Elliot went head on into the wall during qualifying last week at Chicago and it was fine. And other Kyle Bush? I'm saying other head on collisions like do other things and then the rear clip just boom, you're done, can't drive the car anymore. Like it's not even the rear clip. It's not even the rear clip because they they threw out. I'm trying to say toe line. Was I trying to say toe link? You're saying toe link. I'm saying toe link. I'm sorry, guys. The the rear clip. They Alex Bowen backs it into the fence, gets a concussion. They throw him back out there for a few laps because the damn car can still roll. It's so weird to me. I next time we get a new car, I would like them to test it for two years. They tried that. (laughs) I mean. That was that whole supply chain deal. Oh, man. Weird times. Did you guys have anything else from the NASCAR race? No? All right. We'll go uh, talk some dirt racing um, in a big weekend for it, and we'll talk a little bit about what's to come. But um, biggest thing, uh, our guy Bobby Pierce uh, ends uh, his weekend. um, Real hot streak right now that he's on really uh, coming into himself in that car. Uh, passes Hudson O'Neill on the final corner to win uh, just barely at the line. I don't I don't think he would have gotten it if Hudson didn't make a mistake. They were both running as against the cushion as they could at that racetrack, uh, which looked pretty kick-ass. It was up in Deer Creek, uh, up in uh, southwest, southeast Minnesota, Josh? Southeast Minnesota. Um, and he, so he slid him, got by, got on the gas, and then Hudson tried to make a late run pass, and he almost got him. He is .002, so two thousandths of a second um, away, and Bobby was declared the winner, obviously. When I tell you the last time I was on here, it's time. And this is where Bobby Pierce lights it up, right? We're running Midwest tracks. We're running in the middle of June and July. And this is the time of year because it's, you know, obviously he had that tear of summer national wins, right? We win every time he took to the tour in the summer nationals. Well, he's going to a lot of these tracks with the outlaws now. And it's, it's time where Bobby kind of takes terror and takes time and takes and runs it over. And uh, boy, what a, what a nice, what a race that was, especially for Hudson to bounce back and at least give him a run at the line. That was impressive in its own right. 
uh, but also for Bobby to hold on and not know where Hudson was coming to the stripe. That's, you know, equally as impressive to me. I mean, Helen leading the race, um, it looked like, uh, like Bobby tried to do that to Shepard for second, and he couldn't get he couldn't get by him on the inside. It just wasn't working. The inside was not good enough for how his car was set up. I should say not not a track prep complaint by any means, um, and it just didn't work. It looked hard as hell, and he tried again on Hudson. It didn't work with seven laps to go, and it took Hudson messing up for that to happen. So he jumped at the opportunity, got it at the right time. Yeah, he got lucky. He's lost some races that way, too, though. Um, Now, the conspiracy tinfoilists are out all over late model Twitter. There's been multiple photos, screenshots of, oh, look at the cars at the finish line. Well, they think the finish line is at the flagpole. Finish line is at the last scoring loop on the track, which is not directly under the flagpole. Usually isn't on a dirt track, but... All these people tweeting these photos, just like in hockey, it's impossible to put a camera under the crossbar of the net. So any picture you see that appears to be from the top of it, it is angled and it distorts where a line is and what objects are across a line. But it has not stopped people from conspirizing that maybe Lucas rigged the race for Bobby Pierce. Maybe they like Bobby better than, uh, I don't know, one of the guys running full-time in their series. World of Outlaws full-timer winning the race, That's doesn't really make sense why Lucas would rig it that way. But it has not stopped any of these tinfoil people. And it is freaking bizarre to me, like, how simple it is that, hey, the scoring loop isn't at the flagpole. Sorry. we It just isn't. And honestly, on my list of things I wish dirt track dirt tracks around the country would do better, that might be the last thing. I mean, I do kind of want to know where the start finish line is. Most places don't have it. Most places have it marked at the flag stand. I'd like to, but it, it wouldn't have changed my excitement watching. I'm not saying it has to change your excitement. Like it doesn't, it, I just want to know still, where it's at. I still didn't know who won. I was waiting for them to say it. They're you know still I mean? like, they still can't. They still cannot use a picture that's at an angle to tell you whether even if it, even if there's a line there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, still, yeah, paint you the wall. A picture that's at an angle. I I just I would like to know where a line's at. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind painting the wall where it's at and making sure it's there every time. I don't see why they, you know, that's that's something that's easy to do. I feel like that's kind of an attention to detail thing that, you know, you got to care a little bit to take an hour out of your day to go find exactly where the loop is, dig into the ground, cover it back up, spray paint. Well, I think they kind of know where the lines are at. I feel like, yeah, but I don't know, like, how easy it'd be to, like, inch by inch, you know what I mean? I think they they have it figured out. There's a timing system for a reason. They know exactly where it starts and where it stops. Yeah, and that's that's the thing too. You're racing transponders. You know, you're not racing cars technically. It, when you qualify, it stops on the same line, and the computer tells you where it's at. And they they reviewed everything, and the time did not change. Uh, I think that should be noted as well. Like there was no issue with scoring or anything like that. Um, and then Bobby was putting his hand out the window, like as soon as the race ended, uh, and it, some people called him a showboat for it, which I thought was hilarious. Cause I don't know what you want a driver to do when he wins besides celebrate. That's, you know, that's the only thing I want them to do. Unless I have like a press Ben Rhodes championship press conference button. If I can do that, like I want that every time, but he just saw his, uh, he saw the number on the scoreboard and said 32 above one. He was just that excited. So uh, very cool to see him pick up a big one like that. Um, heating up in the summers uh, through the Midwest. Don't fall. Just do not fall for these late model fans tricks with photos and claiming things are false and rigged. I wouldn't s- just single out late model fans like this. Well, happens this doesn't happen in sprint cars. Damon. Yeah, it does. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. You got to let me give Chris some shit. 
No. Because he'll be back on here to gloat about Ross Chastain's next NASCAR win. That's fine. I don't care. I'll tell him Ross Chastain still sucks. <laughs> Even though it'll be a 2026 Arkham Menards West victory. If that. He he might win a he might win a super late model race in the backyard at Florida with all of his watermelons. I'd pick Carson I'd pick Carson Hosevar by a country mile. That guy has made leaps and jumps. Uh, leaps and bounce. Is that the phrase I'm looking bounce. for? Yes. Yeah. Leaps and bounce. Bound. Bounds. <laughs> uh since he just ventured into racing late models um, on dirt, and he looks really good doing it uh, for how few of starts I've seen him have. So I'm interested to see when he's in the car again. Uh, aside from that, Carson Macedo back in World of Outlaws victory lane for the first time um, since his Knoxville accident. So that was really cool to see. Uh, I don't know how much of his interview you caught at all, Damon, but yeah, I didn't get to catch a whole lot of it. Uh, I was in and out more more than anything over the weekend on that. But um, I will say pretty cool for him to to get back to victory lane for himself, for that race team, but also to do it, you know, on the weekend of uh, Jason Johnson's birthday. That is also pretty cool uh, to add in there, you know, for, for Bobby and, and that entire group. Uh, with Jason Johnson racing. So really cool for Carson. Happy to see him get back to victory lane. You know, we knew he was going to be fast again, regardless when he got back into the car and he showed that night one back out. And, uh, you know, he's, he's still right there. I don't know if, I don't know if the points are going to work out in his favor or not, but if he can put a string of runs together, here's an opportunity for him. And uh, yeah, pretty, pretty cool to see, but no, I did not see the interview to answer your question. No, it wasn't, it wasn't necessity for knowing the importance and knowing uh, Carson, but uh, really like just a big win to get that monkey off your back and kind of get back in the swing of things and how tough the world of outlaws are. Uh, So he was 52 back. 52 points back coming into the race uh, to Brad Sweet, who was the leader. Uh, Brad finished second, um, so he gained four points. Tough series. Tough tour to win. Um, makes it makes you appreciate what Brad Sweet has been able to do uh, a lot more. He did uh, have a video with uh, Kenny Wallace on YouTube, Brad Sweet did, about it. something came up with, like, tracks you would take your like high dollar sponsors to, to impress him. And he was talking about how there's not that many about, yeah, you're probably looking at Houston, Eldora, Knoxville, maybe a couple more. And it kind of sounded a little negative about it. And I'm not like calling him out or anything, but like, I, I know he was from what I've been told, he was one of the guys that was against racing at Bristol and for all the reasons he brought up, like, oh, it's a shame we don't have more of these. I'm not sure why he'd be against Bristol. Uh, because uh, besides Bristol, he sucks. Well, that, but Bristol's a hell of a lot faster than a lot of those places. Firebanks is a I lot don't faster. Think, I don't think a hell of a lot faster. I think it's a little faster. Some guys have told me that I-70 Motorsports Park is faster than Bristol. I mean, still... It's still a fast track. It's still fast. I, chance, I don't disagree. Chance of getting hurt. I don't think you want to have your sponsor there when you're uh, running the risk of. You run um, the risk of getting hurt every time you strap into it. Yes, a, Connor, I understand that. But you're also running a hell of a lot faster than you normally do. I'm not at, trying to use this to advocate Bristol Dirt. I, I did that earlier. I know. Joke. No, but you already yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, everyone knew I was doing that anyway. I just i I was curious too if you guys saw that, heard about it, or anything like that. I I think Brad's got a point though. You don't want to take your high dollar sponsor to the middle of nowhere. I agree, and not have them. You know, you have them standing on a platform that's being held up by with ratchet straps and bungee cords, like. You're not going to get a renewal sponsor if that guy falls through the, the platform. It's just not going to happen. Whereas you can put them in a suite at Knoxville or you can take them to Eldora and, you know, show them the, the pomp and circumstance there. Or you take them to, you know, a fast track like Husets or Peevely 
those type of places. But to take them out in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, um, or, or wherever, for that matter, you're not going to do that. I think he's on to something with that one. Yeah. Uh, just unfortunate um, that we didn't have it this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens to it. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen to it on the schedule next season, but I think the NASCAR schedule is shaping up soon. We'll have more on that. I, I'm just hearing rumblings and nothing concrete about anything that's going on. I find it like way crappier when people tweet about, oh, I heard this rumor and that rumor, and I'm kind of doing that right now, but I'm trying to say I haven't heard anything like concrete enough to even assume that it is going to happen. So um, we'll see on that. Uh, elsewhere in dirt, uh, Tyler Courtney won the all-star show. Uh, on Saturday night, Brian Brown uh, comes home as the victor at Knoxville. Uh, some controversy amongst fans kind of thinking Linton Jeffrey sat back and delayed Austin McCarl from getting the win because he didn't think that he had a car to beat Brian Brown. Um, I don't know if that was the case. Neither Austin or Linton wanted to say too much on the record uh, about the other guy. I know Lynn has no, really no reason to help Brian Brown, um, and I don't think he laid back off the start. I think he was trying to time it differently than Brian, but credit to Brownie. Uh, just timed the starts really well Saturday. Uh, did a couple of different things. Um, if you didn't know, by the way, the rule is when you're pace lapping, as long as you're past the scoreboard, you can start – I think it's like from there to any point till the flag stand is when you can start the race, but everyone starts coming off of the corner. So it's kind of the middle of turns three and four to the end of turn four is kind of your line start anywhere before that. And you're good. And Brownie did that, um, got the timing down and ended up with probably 70 something career Knoxville went. I could be too high or too low. Um, I know he's got 60, I'm pretty sure. I don't know the exact number. Dude wins at Knoxville a lot, um, and he looks mighty impressive this season. Going into uh, Eldora Million and Kings Royal Week, he's going to be there all four nights. Uh, I don't know how many teams are going to come back to Knoxville, but there's a few Knoxville teams going up there for the million, and it's going to be something rad. I mean... It's tied into King's Royal Weekend. I wouldn't guess a whole lot. If you're going to make the trip up for the for the million, I don't expect a whole lot to come back to run a weekly show for another big Crown Jewel event. You want to be a part of the Crown Jewel event. You, you, this is you. You guys went off about the Pennsylvania people not coming to to Houston's. You can't backtrack now because they're not coming back for a weekly show at Knoxville. I agree, so, but I don't think Knoxville should be racing. I can't can't determine that one. At least for points. At least for points. Non, yeah, non-points race is what I would do. That's just me. I, nothing against those guys. Um, quite obviously, we love Knoxville. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't run a points race during a crown jewel weekend when most of your teams are going to go. It's nine hours away. It's not that long. Um, second biggest race of the year, second and third um, in that sport. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I am not sure why they still run points, why they're adamant about that. But like guys, rights wrecked last year uh, on the first two days and decided to come back. Like it, it happens. We've seen it. Yeah. I mean, it can happen. I'm just, I don't see it. The whole field coming back for a weekly show. I'm not saying every Knoxville guy that's up there is going to come back. That's no, you know, just, but the guys that want to run for points might, that's all I say. Was are you were you getting all defensive about go to a crown jewel race and be a part of it and race the whole thing? Well, I mean, you know, we we talk about how everyone was all up in arms about oh, the Pennsylvania, all the Pennsylvania guys not yeah. going to going to Houston. We can't we can't be hypocritical about it here. I, and I've never really like gotten the that type of a Twitter beef like. Those teams are going to go to races if it makes sense for them, and they're going to stay home if it doesn't. 
And, you know, yeah, I wish, I wish all of them would go. I wish every sprint car team in the country was at a big race. That's, that's what you want, right? Like, but if it doesn't make sense for them, like it doesn't make sense for them. But I, yeah, I get what you mean. You guys have anything else for this one? No, I think that's all. But I'm I'm sticking with the Brian Brown prediction. I think that's going to be the way to go. That's bold. He's good at Eldora, though. He has been. He has been solid. He won. What it? What did he win the night after? Or was that he won? He won. Um, well, I don't know if he won the actual event, but he did win a heat race and ran. Uh, he ran second to Macedo. It was like the morning of or whatever we called yeah. it. Yeah, he he was in the in the front for majority of the uh, of the night. Yeah, it, well, it, it's going to be. I'm, I'm not even so my confidence level for Eldora. El, oh my God, my confidence level for Eldora, level for Eldora. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> um, is is not as high, but I think Knoxville Nationals is going to be a, a good shot for him. Yeah, it's probably going to be his best shot since he was um, the pick. Uh, kind of like the default, like, are you picking Donnie or Brian Brown? That was the, the two guys, and that was it. And it really hasn't been like that the last few years, but he's worked his way back in the conversation. I, I really don't think he could put his way out of it now. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be something to see. Uh, one last thing, too. Um, I talked to Ian Madsen last night. Uh, kind of about what it meant to be fast, uh, obviously, in Linton Jeffrey's car. Um, he said he was stepping away um, for medical reasons, uh, kind of for health reasons, uh, from the 2KS ride, uh, and eventually Chase Randall started driving that. Um, not more than a month later, he's back in a race car. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh back with Lennon Jeffrey and he gets a top 10 at Knoxville. Um, I was pretty shocked by that. I'm impressed with Ian. I think he's still got it in him to be fast. And I guess we'll see what the future holds for him, but shoot, like that was cool. In the interview he did, he was about to tear up like super good guy uh, in general out there, but you guys go tune into that on uh, our YouTube page. Seriously. Like, I thought he was going to start crying. I didn't know what I was going to do. So that fun guy, awesome dude. Um, glad to see him get that top 10. You guys got anything else? I'm good. Awesome. Well, that has been our show. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. We'll hopefully be back. Uh, I think Tuesday would be a good night to do our preview for the week because I'll be gone Monday, um, but we'll confer with our guys and figure it out and go from there. But Houston's feature is about to get going. Um, if something happens that we need to talk about, I got Josh Betts here sitting next to me. We'll tack on five or 10 minutes to the show at the end here, but hope you guys uh, enjoy your Monday and Tuesday and uh, tune in for a week long of Dirt racing coverage uh, from Always Race Day as we head into uh, one of the biggest weeks of the year. So appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the races.